Togo, West Africa. A relatively thin strip of land between Ghana and Benin. 32 miles of coastline on the Gulf of Guinea. Chief exports, coffee, cocoa, and cotton. A history that intertwines with the Danes, the Germans, the British, and the French. A national soccer or football team that made their country proud. Capital, Lomé, one of the most beautiful cities in this part of Africa. Forests, savannas, rocky cliffs, and waterfalls. You'll find monkeys here. antelopes, and elephants. And it's only here that you'll find the groove-toothed forest mouse. There is just so much to see. Which is why Sight.org works here in Togo to open the eyes of those blinded by cataract. Providing surgeries, treatment, mobile clinics, and eyewear. To restore the vision of those who've lost it, or to grant it to those who have never seen. We'll meet Lewis Swan today on the Edge of Adventure podcast. He's CEO and co-founder at Sight.org. We'll enjoy getting to know him and hearing his story about the need he saw and how he just couldn't look away. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. It's always great to have you with us as we travel around the world, as we learn about amazing organizations, doing things to serve others, to make the world a better place, as we get to know people who have chosen to serve others. Today is no exception. We're going to get to know Louis Swan, who is the CEO and co-founder at Sight.org. O-R-G, site.org. Lewis, welcome to the program, brother. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Adam. Great to have you here. Let's put this into perspective. Site.org helps who and where? We work in a country called Togo. It's in a little bitty country in West Africa. And we go to very remote parts of this country where there's zero access to eye care. And cataracts is a leading cause of blindness in sub-Saharan Africa. And it affects 
all ages, even the unborn. And we go into these places that otherwise would never have any doctor come to their doorstep. And we virtually go to their doorstep and their village's doorsteps. And we offer free eye surgery that can be done in 20 minutes and uh, result in a person's sight the next morning. Is this a common problem? In this little country of Togo, uh, we believe there's 30,000 blinded by cataracts. And this little country is about the size of West Virginia. And I, if I go into a village that has no eye care, or a, a village that's remote that has no access to eye care, if that village has 200 people, I expect to find a dozen people blinded by cataracts. And so whenever we go into a place that's rural in Africa, that's uh, pretty far from any doctor, or any major city, we can collect up to 200 patients for surgery pretty quickly. And we do up to 200 surgeries at a time when we go into these rural places for care. Yeah. But mainly it's malnutrition, water, the tropical sun. Uh, it's a definitely a bigger problem where the more equatorial regions, but when your diet's corn, yam, and bread, uh, there's not a lot of nutrients in that. And so we see uh, a lot of people go blind. We're talking today with Lewis Swan. He is CEO and co-founder at site.org. How long does it take to turn someone's life around in this way? Well, it depends on the doctor. Uh, my doctor's a very, very good doctor. My whole team's African. Uh, whenever I'm with my team, I'm usually the only Westerner there unless um, I bring somebody with me. But uh, my doctor, let's just say that he can do up to 39 surgeries in a day. 38 or 39, I think, is his good day number right now. We started with him doing about 12 or 15 in a day, and so he's progressed over time. So essentially, when we go out, we'll have a about 200, up to 200 patients lined up. And in six days, all those patients are treated. When they get the surgery, it's about a 15 minute surgery. And then they get a patch over their eye. And the next morning we take that patch off and the eye is just the most amazing organ. It can heal so quickly. And so it, we take that cataract out, we replace it with an artificial lens. And when we take that patch off the next morning, they can see. Lewis, is this the type of thing that is an ailment for older adults or who do you guys end up treating? Mostly, but we find people that are children. Uh, we find people that uh, were born with cataracts. On occasion, while a mom's pregnant, she will actually suck the nutrients up in the pregnancy process. She would, her body would take up the nutrients and the child would develop cataracts during pregnancy. And at times the child will take the nutrients away from the mom and then the mom goes blind. I found several mothers that went blind during pregnancy and by the time they give birth, the cataracts are so thick they can't see. They are blind. And here in the West, uh, we don't see that. Uh, if you were to go blind as a result of cataracts, you would have to neglect your cataracts for about 20 years in the West. But over there, we see people go blind in the matter of a few, of a few months, typically. Once again, this is The Edge of Adventure. You're listening to the audio podcast or you're watching the video podcast. My guest today is Lewis Swan. He is CEO and co founder at site.org. And it's great to have him on the show today. So let's talk about, actually, I'm going to pull up a picture here. I want you to tell me about this picture. And if you're listening to the audio version, you can always go to theedgeofadventure.com, look for the post 
that correlates with this conversation. You'll find the video version there as well, because I know we've got people listening from around the world through the different podcast platforms, which is awesome. I'm a radio guy and I love that. But you can always tune in and watch the video version as well, get to see a few pictures. And this is an important one because it's an important story. It's important because of her story, her unique story. But I think it also is so representative of site.org and what you do and the difference you're making. So tell me about this picture. Yeah, this, uh, this was on my last trip. This girl is 13 years old, and she was born with cataracts, fully developed cataracts, and also deaf. So when we found her, uh, she's 13 years uh, living both deaf and blind in, in a really rural part of West Africa. And so when you're living with just taste, touch, and smell, you're living on 8% of situational awareness in terms of things that happen around you. You only have about 8% built up in those three senses. Sight is a whole 75%. And so she uh, got a surgery and she actually, when she was at the operating table, she didn't know what was happening because she's, she's deaf and she's blind. She has no idea what's happening. So we had to put her under full sedation. Uh, so children are more lengthy process, but we did the surgery on both eyes and the next morning she was able to see. And so whenever I um, went into her room, I put my hand out and she just, just a big slap, just, she just grabbed my hand and then I walked out the door and she followed me through the doorway and walked me outside and followed me outside. And I put my hand out again and again, she grabbed it. We just kept doing that over and over. She probably grabbed my hand about 15, 20 times like that. And her sight's probably not great. Whenever you haven't seen your whole life, your eye and your brain start to disconnect because they've never communicated with each other. But she can certainly see a hand put out in front of her, which was never there before. Lewis. What is it like serving and helping people like this in such a miraculous way? We've done 1,300 surgeries this year. This is our best year we've done. And we're looking at 1,500, maybe even beyond that next year. Every one of them is unique. You know, I've spent a lot of time with these people individually, and everybody has their own situation, life situation. Her life has changed. And so for her, she represents a lot of people. And just like her, uh, lives are changed. When you're in a rural part of Africa and farming is really the primary occupation, you can't farm if you're blind. And so there's a lot that comes with that. There's some stigmas. There's a place where there's some kind of dark beliefs. And so there's some stigmas that are not great, but there's also the freedom. Blindness in rural Africa is prison, essentially. This is The Edge of Adventure. That's the voice of Lewis Swan, CEO and co-founder at Sight.org. You mentioned that most of these surgeries are to correct cataract. What is cataract and what is the cataract surgery? Again, you kind of have to simplify it for folks like me, but give us a, a brief understanding about what the problem is and how you're able to make the correction and then open up a whole new world for the patients. Yeah. Cataracts is the main thing we do. Uh, we do some other treatments. Uh, we have pterygium. We have the eye can become cancerous, which requires chemotherapy and, and removal and ongoing chemotherapy. And we have three children going through chemotherapy right now that had had that situation. And I keep bringing up children, but they, they you know, they stand out. But for some reason, we see them have eye cancer the most. But um, in terms of the treatment itself for cataracts, 
at cataract, uh, we all have a lens in our eye. And over time, that lens can get foggy. And so it can get foggy for a number of reasons, malnutrition, contaminated water, dehydration. These things can attribute to that lens getting foggy. So what we do is we put people under local anesthesia. And so just local anesthetic, they're, they're awake. Most of our patients are awake during surgery. And we are able to, not to get too graphic, cut through the eye, pull that cataract out and replace it with an artificial lens. And then that eye gets patched. We typically don't even have to suture it. It just gets patched. And the next morning they open their eye and they can see. And what's amazing, and I've seen pretty traumatic moments in surgery, just a surgery just looks traumatic in itself. And the next morning it looks like pink eye. Like you would never know that this person just had surgery. And so the eye is just an amazing, amazing organ that could be treated and healed. And so for us to go to remote parts of the world and, and actually be the solution to this problem, it's not a far-fetched thing to do. It's not a crazy surgery that's, uh, that's going to re result in bed rest for weeks on end. For example, you really get your eyes patches taken off the next morning and then go on with your life. We, you have to do drops and we do follow-up care and we do see them a week after that and other follow-up care following that if needed but it's very simple and we can do the masses. Yeah. Okay, Lewis, let's put you into context. You worked previously with Mercy Ships and we've of course had them on the Edge of Adventure podcast, great organization. You can also find out more about them, of course, across social media, including in the Rugged Compass mobile app. They are great participants in that app and I always enjoy seeing their posts and keeping up with what they're doing. You worked for a period of time, served for a period of time with Mercy Ships, I should say. And I want to get to the heart of how you find yourself here now. So I was on the ship for just under three years in public relations. And honestly, I was there to serve. I was a Christian, but didn't view myself as a missionary or that type. I would say if anybody called me a missionary, I'd correct him and tell him I'm more of just, I'm just here to serve. After a year, I was, I just hit a breaking point in my spiritual walk that took a shift. And so I started to get serious and the Lord just started moving my heart. And pretty quickly, he just started showing me the need. And I was seeing really preventable stuff and um, really great needs that I had. It's a very long story, so it's hard to really break it down. But let's just say that over the accumulation of a year, I realized that I'm not supposed to leave Africa. And so I, and I haven't, that was 10 years ago. I, I go more and <laughs> more now than ever. And so it's, uh, it's getting fun. Why the connection with Togo? I personally believe it's where God called me. There's a lot of rural blindness, but um, I like working in Togo. And this is something I would encourage for people that are listening in terms of like, where should I go? Anywhere is great. The need for, you can find needs everywhere. They're always there. And anywhere I go, you go, you're going to be able to make an impact. However, one thing I like about Togo or like, or appreciate being in, in Togo is that they speak French. That's one country primarily that really speaks French that's in the West. And so you don't see that many humanitarian things happening in Togo. Um, I am not competing with anybody. If I were to stop doing eye care and rule Togo, 
I don't, we go to places where I would not expect anybody to follow and fill our shoes anytime soon. And so where we are and where we make this impact, it's a real need and there's just not anybody else to do it. And so that's one thing I found, like, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I want to work in the third world, where do I go? One of the first things we typically do is who speaks my language? And that's great. Um, and go there if that's where you feel called. Uh, but let's just say that if you go to places that are less common languages, you're going to find a lot less people like you trying to do what you're doing. And it comes with obstacles. I'm not great at French even still. I can get around, but, uh, but I'm also making a very big impact in a place that wouldn't have that care otherwise. Thanks, everybody, for being here today for this conversation with Lewis Swan of Sight.org. We'll learn more about their work in Togo, Africa, in just a moment. But I wanted to give you a quick update on a very significant moment for all of us here at the Edge of Adventure. The long-awaited results are in for the inaugural Anthem Awards, and I'm extremely proud and honored to share with you that the Edge of Adventure podcast received the silver in our category for Best Humanitarian Action and Services. Consider for a second that other award-winning brands this year include Google, Viacom CBS, HBO Max, Nike, The New York Times, The Daily Show. To put this achievement into perspective, CNN took the top prize in our category. It's all still sinking in, to be honest. And I just wanted to share the moment with you because you are a part of the Edge family. And I'm grateful for you, for your friendship and support, for believing in this thing that I call the Edge of Adventure. Of course, I also want to thank my amazing team of researchers, editors, and producers, and all the many guests and organizations that have been featured on the show. Their dedication, creativity, tenacity, their love for others. That's what's made this an award-winning podcast. They are the heroes. I'm just the guy that gets to help tell their stories. Thanks, everybody. To learn more about this very significant moment in Edge history, look us up online at theedgeofadventure.com. That's theedgeofadventure.com. Now let's get back to Togo in Africa as we learn more about the need there and the wonderful people there and the work of Sight.org right here on The Edge of Adventure. We're talking today with Louis Swan. He is CEO and co-founder at Sight.org. Louis, let's um, go back a little bit. I mean, you've shared already a little bit about this, but delve into it a little bit more the model that site.org uses and why it is so effective. Because what you've described to me, I think I did a little bit of research here. I think probably your first year, you guys did like 37 surgeries. And now you're talking about 1300 a year, 1500 a year. There's something about this model that works. Tell me what it is. When you start a clinic in a city, like, especially if you're like, choose your bigger city, wherever in the third world, Eventually, you're going to run out of patience or you're going to have to wait for new cataracts or new whatever to come about. And so if you're in the capital city doing cataract surgery, you have to wait. And so there's literally only so much you can do, and which may be fine. There, there's a huge population in the capital, but that's also where most of the eye doctors 
reside. So for me, and the way this program went in the very beginning was to go to these remote places where there is no eye care. And so we do not have a limitation on patients. And so I have sometimes volunteer doctors that join me and they're so shocked that I can find so many patients. And the reason being is because nobody's been there. And we literally find people that have been blind for 20 years. And so the reason they've been blind for 20 years is they've literally sat there for 20 years without anybody coming within their own vicinity. And go tell somebody that makes $20 in a year that's in, a, that's in the barter system to drive six hours south in a huge city of a million people when they've never left their village and then come up with a few hundred dollars to cover the surgery and house yourself and feed yourself and all that business, forget it. It just doesn't happen. And so with our model, we go to those types of people, those people that have that huge burden of limitation. Very few people in this part of the world have ever left their village. So to travel far is just not going to happen. And so we do that burden. We carry that burden for them. We take all of our equipment. We take all of our staff. We do a week of screening. We find them. We do a week of surgery. And then the following week, we do a post-op. And then, um, and then we do ministry the following week after that. And then we go off to the next village. And we also do a lot of uh, maintenance. That's, that's taking care of the new blindness that does come. We don't go places and never come back. We do deal with the next year's cataracts and the next year's cataracts in those regions. But when we go to a new region, we're very often finding people that have been blind for a decade and well beyond at times. That's the voice of Lewis Swan. He's the CEO and co-founder at site.org. Let's talk about the other co-founder, Peter, this other great guy that uh, you work so closely with. Peter is a person that whenever I was new, whenever I knew I was called to Africa, um, I asked the Lord for my calling and it felt like jumping off a cliff and I did not know what it would look like. But whenever I said a very, very big yes, everything in my spirit pointed to this man named Peter. And I went to Peter and Peter was just a West African pastor. And whenever I went to him, I had this understanding just in my heart that I'm supposed to be a part of this man's life and he barely knew me. And so whenever I asked him what his calling was, he explained that a few years prior, the Lord gave him a vision showing him all these blind people in rural Africa that he was supposed to go to. And he said the Lord told him to go to these places, give sight to the blind and follow up with the gospel. And this guy is a guy of minimal means. West African pastor, real faithful guy, but just not with the means. And he faithfully stepped out in accordance to his faith. And two years later, this random guy from Texas comes up to him saying, what is your calling? Not knowing that that very guy from Texas has already agreed with the Lord to do whatever comes out of his mouth. And so when he described giving sight to the blind in rural Africa, I already said yes to whatever that was. And it's strange, and I know it seems so crazy to others, but it was just that much of a conviction. And that's what led us to these rural parts first and foremost. And that's why we've been there ever since. And we were the most humble program in the beginning. <laughs> a beat-up car that couldn't even hardly drive through the capital without being shamed because of how beat up it was. And But now we're doing pretty well. <laughs> that's the voice of Louis Swan, CEO and co-founder at site.org, where they give sight to 
Togo, Africa. Here on the Edge of Adventure, we have all sorts of organizations that come on the show, all sorts of motivation, and maybe they come from different places. The hearts are very much the same, hearts for service, for making the world a better place, for giving of themselves and their time and their energy and their their funds to help others. Um, but the stories are different, and, and oftentimes they come at it from a different perspective of faith. Sometimes faith is a factor, sometimes it's not. The question that I'm going to ask here, is there any correlation between the work that you do and the work of the gospel? Is there a metaphor at work here at all? Jesus had compassion on those who came to him that had ailments and that were sick and that were blind. And he responded, and the scripture says that he healed all that came to him asking for service. And so we we respond with that same torch. And we give our efforts and we give our love. And we've all been messed up people. I mean, I was the most messed up guy. It took me a long time to explain to everybody and wrap their minds around that I was actually a Christian <laughs> because of how far off and just how wrecked this guy was. But uh, yeah, just he, he sees differently. And so, so yeah, we, um, we're all indebted to all that's been done for us. And we are very motivated when we continue to do this work and we're empowered. We can't do it in our own strength. Lewis, as you have worked for so many years in Africa and you've worked in this way and you, um, you've seen a lot, what are a couple of moments in time? There was something special about it that you knew that this moment was going to serve as motivation for years to come. You know, I think we all have that where you encounter that moment in time where you think, okay, this is my calling. This is what I got to do, and I'm going to do what it takes. You know, I think it's largely, that's a, that's a very loaded question, <laughs> but I think it's largely sitting down, like we see these people in masses. We will do 160 or 180 surgeries, and there's this massive group of people that are sitting before me that look a little, just they're waiting, they're patient, they just had surgery, they don't feel great from the surgery. Some of them can see and they can celebrate and some of them want to celebrate, but they feel they need a Tylenol to help them through that time. And when I sit with them and whenever I'm able to take the time and sit with people individually, I see lives that have just been so changed. And there's just a, a thousand stories running through my mind of times that I've sit and there's just so much going on in their mind. Why would these people do this for me? And why would they, this happen? And, and they just don't get it. I mean, they just, it's just mind blowing to them. And, and very often they believe they're cursed. Uh, this is a part of the world where often they think they're cursed. And, you know, even if they don't follow our, what we call the way, at least they don't think they're cursed anymore and have that stigma upon themselves. And so we, I love seeing people see, but all, I love a lot of the other baggage that gets to come off too. And so it's, it's just individuals that are just wildly impacted for the better life. There's nothing more motivating than that. Greatest challenge, Lewis, what comes to mind? Greatest challenge, seeing it all go away, seeing it come to an end and making that impact where we're not we're not seeing people that have been blind for 10 years. I'd like to see that in Togo where that that ship turns and where we start to see people that have been blind for a year and we find them versus 10 years or 20 years. That's my biggest challenge that there's people out there that we have had a hard time reaching 
and I really want to reach them. Lewis, I know that you and your family served back in the days of Mercy Ships. You guys were all there, right? I actually met my wife two months before I ended my time there. And so uh, I met my wife there uh, two months prior and asked her if she would quit her job in Canada and come back to Africa and help me start this little program. And um, and she immediately said yes. And then I thought, don't you need to think about it? <laughs> I was like, you're okay. <laughs> well, you know, but uh, but she had already heard from the Lord and and I didn't know that. And so she uh, she jumped on board. And so she she helped me start this too. Well, speak to the families of people like you, right? You you are very passionate about this work. I'm sure it takes a lot out of you in terms of time and, and energy, and often you have had to travel. Speak to the families of those who are close to people like you. I think it's, it's uh, my wife has carried a lot of burden in terms of my going away. And, um, and for me and my part, I really have to always remember my primary ministry is my family and um, leave ministry at work time and not bring it everywhere I go all the time and make it the primary focus of our household when it's just me and my kids and my wife. I think um, separating that's real important. And, and also we have to take sabbaticals for people in my shoes. I'm very concerned about people that go, 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 go. And it's just like, you got to drink before you can pour. And a lot of people are just so dry and have really nothing else to give. And they really got to take a big step back. And, and honestly, it's silly to think that the whole world is waiting on us. Um, there's other things happening and we have to take a big step back and take those sabbaticals and take that time with family and, and the Lord, if you're a Christian, and then be strengthened to carry on another day. Great advice from Lewis Swan. An awesome guy, my guest today from Sight.org. He is CEO and co-founder as they give Sight in Togo, Africa. Great to have him on the show. How can people help? Some people may want to come. Uh, very often, I, I'm not a fundraiser type. It's the most awkward thing in the world to me. And usually I never say give, but that's what I'm supposed to say at this time. <laughs> and so uh, we're looking at 1,500 surgeries next year and very possibly up to 2,000. We have 30,000 people blinded in Togo. And like I said, I, I want to see that, that ship turn. And currently, between us and the other NGOs working in Togo, we're all doing about 5,000 a year as a whole, all the nonprofits together, we're doing about 5,000 a year. That's just about how many cataracts are developing each year. We're actually just past the amount of cataracts developing each year. And so we want to go beyond what's developing and actually start to see those 30,000 people go down to a much lower number to where it's actually maintainable and, and help us to reach that person that's waiting for 10 years, that's just waiting on someone like us to come to their doorstep and to give that opportunity for them to truly have their life back. It's $150 for every person that gets to see. That's the amazing thing. We've really cranked it down and 100% of that donation goes straight to Africa. Uh, we have donors that cover all U.S. operations, my salary and everything like that. And so anybody that gives, 100% is going to reaching that person that's just waiting. And you can find out more. You can give, come alongside them, contact them, encourage them. If nothing else, just let them know that you saw the podcast today and heard the podcast and that you're appreciative of what they're doing. And yeah, if it's the kind of thing that 
touched your heart in a special way. Be obedient to that and come alongside them and and help them out and help change these lives. This is awesome. Site.org for more information. Site.org. His name is Lewis Swan. He's the CEO and co-founder. I guess we're going to wrap up with this question, brother. Why in the world would you choose this life of service? My family had a business that's been in business for 125 years. And so it was very much expected for me to step behind in line in that uh, legacy, which is amazing. It's like fifth generation business. And I tried. I uh, did it uh, a little bit. And my role there just kept depleting and my role in Africa kept growing until it was just the calling was so obvious that I had to I had to step away. And so I chose this and and um, because it's just what I'm meant to do. It's where I'm wired. I'm, I'm better at it than anything else. And and so it's just apparent that this is where it is for me. Lewis Swan has been my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure. Look him up online, site.org, site.org for more information. And of course, you can always look for theedgeofadventure.com and look for the link in the post, regardless of the social media platform, regardless of where you find it, including in the Rugged Compass mobile app. We always have the link that will get you to the organization. So please follow up my request. If you feel called to support them, please do. And if nothing else, reach out to them and contact them and encourage them because they're doing great things. These organizations are doing amazing things, but it isn't easy. And it's not like challenges don't come up and we're all human. We face our moments of discouragement. So you be sure that doesn't happen. Encourage them and let them know you appreciate what they're doing. And what a unique calling, brother. You, you have a very unique history, unique calling. And putting it to use the way that you're doing is inspiring. And so then I'm going to say to everybody out there listening as well, you have a unique calling. You have unique skills. You've got a unique skill set and opportunities. So put them to use helping others. And that's when the greatest adventure in your life will start. Lewis, thanks for coming on the show, brother. I look forward to hearing more in the future, and I'm just appreciative of, of all you do. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me, Adam. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo.